0: What is up, listeners of the world? My name is Jalen Tully, and welcome to J Talks. What is up, my faithful, faithful listeners? My name is Jalen Tully, and you're listening to another week of J Talks happy Black History Month, happy Colin Kaepernick Appreciation Day, aka the Super Bowl, happy Valentine's Day, this is going out on Valentine's Day, and on top of everything, happy Impeachment Day, because that is also happening this week. There's so much to quote unquote look forward to this week. There's so much happening this week. First, I do just want to say very, very quickly that I made a mistake last week when I was talking about AOC's story of her live stream. When I was talking about the man who was banging on her office trying to get in was going, where is she? Where is she? It turns out that I, just like so many other people, misinterpreted that. So that actually was the Capitol Police officer that then pointed AOC in the direction that she should seek asylum and safety from the insurrection that was currently going on. There was not actually insurrectionalists in the in the hallway that AOC was in and that also caused a lot of people to further discredit her by saying there was no insurrectionalists, there was no rioters where you were and she then later came out and made the clarification she said I never said there were rioters or insurrectionalists where I was in the capitol complex I said it was the police officer I said I didn't know at first though and I didn't know who it was and it freaked me out at first which honestly is viable that's completely viable that's completely acceptable she was in a situation where her life could have been at risk and even just thinking that your life could have ended even just thinking that your health safety welfare is on the verge of being compromised that alone is a terrifying thought and i said it last week when we were talking about this a lot of people don't really understand that or don't want to in this case people actually took the liberty of gaslighting aoc so much And belittling and devaluing her emotions and feelings so much to the point where hashtag AOC lies and hashtag Alexandria Ocasio Smollett was trending. And that's a play on what happened in terms of Jesse Smollett, who, if you guys remember, was the black actor who actually staged him, I believe, getting assaulted and getting robbed. And it came out that it was all fake and it was all this big scandal and it was a huge deal a couple years ago. But it was a play on that as kind of a jab at her and saying that you made this up. This is not as bad as you said it was. You're making a bigger deal out of it than you need to. You're blindsiding people. You're tricking people. Same thing as what happened with the whole Jesse Smollett story. <sighs> in case you thought that America was going to support women and their traumatic stories and experiences, you were wrong. Tricked ya. I said it last week, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I don't want to waste too much of this week's episode on this because I have so many other things that I would rather be talking about and so many other topics I want to talk about today. But overall, people's blatant disregard for others' feelings and for others' experiences and People who question the validity of other people's experiences, especially ones as traumatic as what happened on January 6th, I, I have no respect for you. Hands down, period, point blank. I have absolutely no respect for you. There's a time and a place to call people out on being overdramatic. There's a time and a place to call people out on making things up or over exaggerating things for their own personal gain. This is not a time for that. This is not a time for you to come out with your right-wing conspiracy rhetoric bullshit and devalue the trauma that a woman experienced on January 6th when people actually fucking died. um, Not a time for that, not a place for that, and I have no respect for you if you do it. Next thing's next. Um, I just wanna say something really, really quickly because the Super Bowl did happen and Tom Brady won another ring. Um, Stop saying he's the greatest athlete of all time. Stop that shit. It's not true. You, you, y'all know it's not true. So let me get this straight. Tom Brady, who's 43 years old and has won seven Super Bowl rings, is a better athlete than Simone Biles, who has 30 Olympic and World Championship medals, 23 of them being gold medals. This woman has three times the amount of Olympic and World gold medals than Tom Brady even has Super Bowl rings, not to mention while being 20 years his junior. And you're still going to have the audacity to lie on her name like this and say that Tom Brady's the greatest athlete of all time. Miss me with that. I just, overall, I just, it's really frustrating time and time again to see how much people devalue and how much people ignore and silence black athletes in an industry such as sports and athletics. Because I I looked it up right before this video just to see, just so I could have the facts. The NFL is 68% black. That means if there were no black people in the NFL, Tom Brady wouldn't even have teammates to throw to. So, especially at times like this, I think it's very important to understand the contributions and the overall excellence that black people bring to athletics and black people bring to the institution of sports because, oh my god, I'm just just so tired of people only paying attention to Tom Brady or saying that Tom Brady's the greatest athlete of all time because if you want to say that Tom Brady's the greatest football player of all time, by all means, that's not what I have an issue with. I don't necessarily have an issue with Tom Brady. I mean, I do. He's a MAGA supporter. But... That aside, my, my politics aside about this, I don't have an issue with Tom Brady. I don't have an issue with people thinking he's a good athlete. If you want to say he's the best football player of all time, by all means, go right ahead. I will not stop you. But when you start saying that he's the best athlete of all time, that brings other aspects into it. You are now comparing him to every other athlete in every other sports category. And when people have the audacity to do that, I'm quick to correct them because, again, it's not true. Overall, I just wish people were able to acknowledge the talent that Tom Brady has and acknowledge the style of play that he's brought to the game, along with recognizing the bountiful and highly successful careers that tons of other professional athletes have, not just Tom Brady. And so, yeah, that's my basic thing. If you're going to compare athletes, if you're going to bring up Tom Brady, that's fine, but you need to also recognize the other accomplishments that other athletes have made and not overlook them. One more thing, just as we're on the topic of the NFL as well, I think it is so rich, so ironic that the NFL and the entire organization of the NFL this year was trying to profit off of and make fighting racism and fighting racial inequality like the staple of this year's Super Bowl. They had like end racism on the back of everyone's helmets. There were so many racially targeted and ads that were directed towards racial inequality And I just think it's so ironic that all that was going on, that they were profiting off of doing all of that shit, yet Cap still is not signed to a team. Cap still does not have a job. It's been like, what, almost 1500 days since Cap has been an NFL player before he was censored and lost his job for doing exactly what now the NFL is profiting off of. Obviously, I just had to say something about it because it's absolutely disgusting, and it's still every single year, it's still boycott the NFL. But this year, it was especially abhorrent just with everything that's gone on in the past year. I think they realized that if they hadn't said anything, they would have had a huge target on their back by politicians and activists in general. But this just goes to show how performative it is because if they actually cared about righting their wrongs and as an organization working towards ending inequality and doing their part in mitigating that then they would have resigned CAP to a team and that is just that that's my opinion but a part of me is a, it also knows as someone who has been involved with the Black Lives Matter movement for years as someone who has had it be one of their top priorities as a social activist to fighting racial inequality and highlighting the racial trauma that black people in this country experience, it just truly goes to show how performative it is and how much they don't actually mean what they're saying and the message that they're trying to put out and how good they're trying to make themselves look for PR. It's just absolutely disgusting and just one more reason that you should hashtag boycott the NFL. All right, we're just banging through stuff this week. Wow, I'm so happy I usually don't get through stuff that fast. I usually spend like 15 minutes talking about the same topic. Next, I wanna talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene, this insane woman, oh my goodness. So Congress is just open to anyone now. We're just electing anyone. So if you, I don't know how you wouldn't have heard of this woman already, but if you haven't, she is a House of Representatives member from the 14th Congressional District of Georgia, I believe, and that is right to the west of Atlanta. She is infamous and known for the right-wing conspiracy theories that she supported during and prior to her campaign, including different QAnon conspiracy theories, conspiracy theories about COVID. She often made false claims about election fraud, and she was an avid supporter of Donald Trump and making claims that he still won the election, that the election was fraudulent. She believes in Jewish space lasers. Yeah, let me say that again. Jewish space lasers. Lasers, she believes in those, and she believes that they caused the wildfires in California. Which that one, like, that one makes me laugh purely because of how ridiculous it is. Like, if if Jewish people had space lasers, you really think they would have used them only to what blow up half of California, set half of California on fire? That makes absolutely no sense. But finally, probably one of the best things she's ever said online was the fact that she openly supported the assassination, murders, whatever, of several different elected officials, including Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and Nancy Pelosi. I don't know where to start with this woman. I don't know if we should start with the fact that that she even got into office in the first place. I don't know if we should start with the ridiculous conspiracies that she believes. I don't know if we should start with the fact that she was voted off of her committees, which, if anything, I think that's the worst idea ever. So let's just let's just go through all of it. Let's just hop around and talk about all of it. First off, the fact that this woman even got elected in the first place. So, she has no experience in politics, first things first. I believe I saw that she inherited a, a construction company from her father, and she was an owner of a CrossFit gym before that. So, obviously, this is definitely the type of person I want making laws in this country. And that might be a little bit of a confusing opinion that I hold because I have said it before that I want my policymakers, I want my lawmakers, I want my Congress people to resonate with working class people. I want them to be able to resonate with the average American. I want them to come from working class jobs. I want them to have had those experiences working the same jobs that, let's face it, the average American has to work, especially right now, especially during a pandemic. And I've been very clear about that, I've been very vocal about that, that I do want my elected officials to come from more of those humble beginnings. However, I don't think that Congress should be your very first elected position that you enter. I think that exactly what we've seen, that opens the door for people, for crazy people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, to just waltz right in and you know, make her crazy claims and file articles of impeachment against Joe Biden his first day in office. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. And I think that there should be like stepping stones that you take and you work your way up to being an elected position that high. Like maybe, maybe run for your city council first, maybe run for mayor maybe run as like a selectman. I don't know why we allowed this woman to just hop right into the Congress train and just assume that this was the role that was meant for her right out of the gate, but I think that's the first problem. Second problem, the fact that she was even able to win with the crazy things that she believes. Even though Georgia turned blue this year, even though Georgia elected not one but two Democratic senators this year, in terms of its white population, Georgia's still a very red state, still a very Republican state, white people in Georgia predominantly just, they vote red. And that's just a fact. And especially once you get outside of Atlanta, once you get outside of some of the more diverse communities that are heavily dominated by black and brown people, once you start to get outside of those, you do start to reach into those overwhelmingly white communities and those communities that also overwhelmingly vote red. So... I'm sure with the conspiracy theories that she shared on Facebook prior to her election, I'm sure that the stuff that she believed and the stuff that she posted and the stuff that she publicly said, the way that she attacked her opponents, the way that she attacked members of Congress who came from different religious or racial and ethnic backgrounds, that probably resonated with a lot of the white Georgia population, that probably resonated with a lot of people who predominantly vote red in Georgia because I'm sure a lot of those people also believe the same things and hold and harness the same opinions that she does. So I'm sure in terms of that, that's probably what got her elected are those outlandish positions because I'm I'm sure they saw, oh my God, this woman believes that the election was fraudulent, this woman, you know, thinks that all of these elites, that all of these Democrats, that Obama, that Ilhan Omar, that AOC, that and Nancy Pelosi, that they're corrupt, that they need to leave, and like, maybe if we elect her, she'll work on making that happen. Logistically, that makes perfect and complete sense. However, it doesn't make me feel better. It doesn't really excuse the fact that she, again, got elected in the first place. She was running against, oh, I think, like a dozen other people, and the fact that she won out of that is... It really does raise alarms as to what we need to change in terms of in terms of our election process in America and what we need to change in terms of our vetting process in America when it comes to people who are going to be running for public office, especially a public office that is as high standing and as respected as Congress. I I know I already said it, but I think the fact that she even got elected in the first place points to a much larger and systemic issue, much like I think that the election of number forty-five points to a much larger and systemic issue but that's not exactly what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about this woman in particular, including her crazy conspiracy theories which I want to talk about next. So I know I already went through over a couple of them, Um, the Jewish space lasers. (laughs) I know it shouldn't be funny but can we be honest? It it is. She also holds the oh-so-classic conservative conspiracy theory that the Democrats and the elites are running a pedophilia sex trafficking ring and making child sacrifices, blood sacrifices, which so reasonable. Such a normal thing to think, obviously. She also believes that school shootings are a myth, that they are staged. She believes that Sandy Hook was staged. She believes that Parkland was staged, with it, which is Absolutely disgusting. I am appalled that that alone did not discredit her reputation or ruin her reputation enough to the point where she did not win this elected position and be able to run for public office. And on top of the disgusting things she already believes regarding school shootings in this country, a video actually surfaced recently of her harassing and following David Hogg, which is who is a survivor of the Parkland school shooting and has always been an ad, a very outspoken advocate of gun reform and gun violence. But in the video, she was following him down the street, berating him with questions about how the school shooting was faked, if he was a paid crisis actor, like all of this disgusting, disgusting nonsense. Um, On top of that, she also believes in that 9-11 was an inside job, that 9-11 was faked. And her conspiracy theories aside, she also just in general holds disgusting, disgusting and violent beliefs. She has posted pictures of her holding a semi-automatic rifle next to the faces of several congresswomen and congresspeople of color with using divisive, aggressive, and potentially race-baiting language making them seem like they are enemies of this country and that they have all of the wrong intentions when it comes to making policy. She has also been very outspoken when it comes to calling for the execution and assassinations of several different elected officials, including Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Nancy Pelosi, and John Kerry. When they held the trial and voted to remove her from her committees, she stood up and she denounced some, most, not as many as she probably should have of these beliefs and stood up and said that she did not believe them, She school shootings are absolutely real, 9-11 absolutely happened, and if, if you watched the video, if you heard her talking, you, you could tell it was complete BS. You can tell, <laughs> you can read someone's language, you can listen to someone's voice, and you can hear the sincerity that courses throughout someone when they are truly sorry for what they've done, when they truly do not believe and do not subscribe to former past beliefs or do not try and justify former past mistakes. You can tell when someone's being genuine about stuff like that and she just wasn't. She she wasn't and I'm not going to sit here and argue with anyone over that because you can blatantly tell in that video that she does not regret or feel sorry for or has probably changed any of those beliefs. Whether or not she's changed her beliefs or altered her beliefs is beyond me, but I can tell it at the very least that she's not sorry. And it's insane. The Republicans, the conservative lawmakers who are okay accepting her into their party, who are okay saying that she subscribes to their party and openly associating themselves with this woman. Because, let's face it, these were the same people that just, what, a month ago, less than a month ago, were calling for unity in this country. We can't convict Donald Trump. We can't impeach Donald Trump again. We need unity and yet they're okay having a woman in Congress who has been so open and honest about her want to assassinate her fellow members of Congress. How do you unify with someone like that? I know I've said it before, but how how do you unify with someone who wants to kill you? That would be like looking at a deer who is currently being hunted by someone and saying, you just need to unify. You just need to unify. And all of this nonsense will go away. And the deer knows that's not true. The hunter knows that's not true. And yet everyone is still standing around this hunter and this deer telling them that they should just unify and that the deer should just be okay with letting the hunter kill it. That's exactly what's happening right now. So I think the Democrats did the right thing by removing this woman from her committees and removing any power that she had. Although then again, now that I'm thinking about it and... (laughs) When I've really had time to like sit down and think it through, I don't see how this is a punishment (laughs) Because she's gonna have less responsibility and still be making the same amount of money That's like telling someone they don't need to work night shifts anymore Even though they weren't getting paid in the first place like you think that's gonna be a punishment for that person Also, the last thing you want to do is give a crazy person time to be crazy and she, she said this she even hopped on Twitter and she said, Democrats, this is the worst possible thing you could have done is give me time. Like, like like it was a threat. This woman is hopping on Twitter at 12 hours after she got kicked off of her House committees and is making veiled encoded threats on Twitter that now she just has more time. I just, I don't understand. <laughs> Also, did you like my southern accent? I hope that wasn't at all offensive, even though I know for a fact it was. I know not all people from the South talk like that, but it's hyperbole because I just really want to make fun of this woman. On a serious note, overall, I think this woman truly represents the worst of America. I think she represents the people who stormed the Capitol. On January 6th, I think she represents the people who openly and with pride denounce and devalue and target and harass and oppress. People of color, Muslims, black people, gay people, immigrants. Like, she represents the worst people in this country. She represents the worst part of America. And I don't want to say that she truly represents this area of Georgia because I, I'm sure there are people in this 14th congressional district who didn't vote for her. I'm sure there are people in this district who thought she was disgusting and without the views that she, that she projected and the things that she said and the stuff she liked and the comments she liked on social media platforms, I'm sure there are people in this district, who truly and genuinely believe that everything she did and everything she has said is disgusting, and they don't want someone like that in office. So I don't want to say that she represents this part of Georgia. I don't want to say that she represents the South. I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna say that she represents the worst part of this country. She's like Donald Trump. She's like Mitch McConnell. She's like Those people do not represent American values. Those people do not represent the best of America. Those people do not represent the America that I'm trying to build for myself and my children. And I'm perfectly happy standing up and saying that because it's true. It's absolutely true. And as much as I think we still need to take accountability for ourselves, as much as I still think that we need to hold people like her, people like Donald Trump, uh, responsible for the violence that they cause, for the lies that they perpetuate, for the conspiracy theories that they believe in and support. I think we need to hold them responsible for all of that. But I also think we still have to work as a society to remove and mitigate some of what got these people elected in the first place, the white supremacy that lurks underneath the surface of our society, the hatred, the bigotry, the xenophobia, the anti-semitism, we need to work on rectifying and removing all of that. If we have any hope of not only removing and holding the people accountable in office now who are perpetuating these ideas and feeding into the worst thoughts and the worst ideas and the worst opinions in this country, but we also have the hope of preventing any more from getting into office or even running. Which is exactly, that's exactly what we need to do. We need to not only cut off the source of all of this bullshit, of all of this hatred, of all of this negativity now, but we need to go to the source. We need to go to the people in this country who are voting, who are believing these things, who are sending these things to their co-workers and their friends and just normal civilians living everyday life. And we need to stamp that out at the source. We need to remove and punish and prevent the, infer- the further indoctrination of all of this bigotry and all of this hatred because this is the product. This is not the problem. Marjorie Taylor Greene is not the problem. Donald Trump is not the problem. They are the product of the problem. Now, speaking of... wow, my my southern accent from earlier really popped out on that now, but now that we are still in the conversation of things that Congress is doing to piss everybody off right now, I also want to talk about COVID relief that's coming out. I know this is a couple of weeks late, But unfortunately, we had all of the other stuff from last week that we had to talk about, and I didn't have the time to try and fit it into that episode. So I'm talking about it now. The current COVID relief package that the Biden administration has formulated is in the works of being released and distributed to the public. So obviously, I'm sure that you guys already are caught up to date on what this COVID relief bill entails. So I more so want to spend some time talking about the fallout from that. I want to spend time talking about how oppositional Republicans have been to this COVID relief plan and how people are actually mad at the Biden administration. Like Democrats are mad at the Biden administration for this. And I want to talk about that actually first. People are angry that The Biden administration is giving out $1,400 checks instead of $2,000 checks because they did run on the promise that everyone would receive $2,000 checks. I honestly have no idea how to feel about this. It's not very often where I'm actually stuck in the middle of a confrontation and I don't know what side I'm on and I don't know what opinions I hold regarding it. It's very rarely that happens. On one hand, people are, in my opinion, rightfully angry that the Biden administration didn't follow through on their promise, because technically this is not a $2,000 check, it's a $1,400 check, and to which Democrats respond, hey, do your math, you got the first $600 already, and this is the rest of it. On one hand, I'm sitting here and I'm like, all right, quick maths, $1,400 plus $600 does equal $2,000. But on another hand, I'm sitting here and I'm like, "Why are why are our elected officials getting stingy right now? If people are angry that they didn't get a two thousand dollar check why wouldn't the government just be like oh my bad b and then give out a two thousand dollar check we are in the middle of a pandemic i don't i don't get why there's this threshold i don't get why there's this glass ceiling of money that we we can't we can't give people over this amount of money for coronavirus relief i think that's ridiculous people are struggling and let's face it you can find the money from somewhere else take it from space force Take it from the $668 billion defense budget we have set up every single year. Take it from NYPD, because let's face it, those niggas don't need to be driving Teslas. Like we, our government also likes to act like we, where are we gonna get this money from? And that's the part that makes it really, really hard to side with or defend Democrats at a time like this, or the Biden administration at a time like this, is because that's always the first argument that they come out with. That's always the first argument that our government comes out with when people ask for relief or money to be redistributed into more necessary institutions. Is everyone's always like, oh, where are we gonna get the money from? Where are we gonna get the money to give everyone $2,000 checks? Where are we gonna, how are we gonna be able to afford this? And that argument is just so exhausting, it's so dated, it's such BS, it's such utter and genuine BS, because we are the richest country in the world, yet we can't afford to make sure every single person in this world has shelter, food, and water in the middle of a global pandemic, miss me with that. And it's embarrassing because those are the usually the arguments that Republicans use at times like this. Those are usually the arguments that Republicans use when it comes to diverting more funding into schools or diver, diverting more funding into mental health programs or drug addiction programs. And it's just, it's so exhausting because those are always the arguments that the right uses. So to hear Democrats using it, especially after they, a lot of them won re-election, It's so disheartening because not only are the Democrats pissing us off, not only are the Democrats hurting our feelings, but they're also shooting themselves in the foot. I've already seen probably hundreds of tweets of people being like, I'm never voting for a Democrat again. I'm never walking to the polls again and supporting a Democrat if this is what they're going to do. They're going to run on false promises and then when they get into office, they're going to spit in our faces and tell us that, oh, we were just kidding, it's actually going to be $1,400 now that we're elected, sorry. I can't imagine how Georgia citizens are feeling right now being told by the entire country that $2,000 checks depends on you. If if we win Georgia, $2,000 checks are coming. The second we win, they're going directly out. Georgia, this all comes down to you. And then, Georgia did that thing. Georgia elected not one, but two Democratic senators. Georgia flipped for this past election. Georgia truly came out and did what we needed them to do. And how are we rewarding them? How how are we showing them that they should continue to vote Democrat and keep the state of Georgia blue? We're not doing anything for those people. And don't get me wrong, there have been a good chunk of Congress members, elected officials, who have been very adamant from the very start about recurring $2,000 payments that come out every single month. Bernie Sanders, Cory Bush, AOC a lot of the more progressive candidates, a lot of the candidates that have been tagged as progressives from the very beginning have always been very, very outspoken about the fact that we need $2,000 recurring payments until the pandemic is over, until people can go back to work, and until people do not have to fear for their safety or have their job compromised because of COVID or anything like that. But there's so few of them and that's, and, and for some reason, that's seen as such a radical idea that so few other people get on board with them. So it's so easy to silence those people and go, shush, 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 we got $1,400 checks, don't ruin this for us. And thankfully, that has just made the people advocating for $2,000 recurring payments just more vocal and more adamant about the fact that people do need relief at times like this. People do need help at times like this. From the looks of how things are going, it looks as though no American citizen is going to be going out to vote in the next election. Because Democrats are pissing off their own party by coming out with pitiful COVID relief and making false promises that they're not following through on. Shocker, what's new? But Republicans actually managed to do what they do best and be even worse than Democrats and come out with a COVID relief plan that was even more abysmal and more pathetic than the one we originally got. Y'all have to hear this, like... So, Business Insider actually took the liberty at comparing the two stimulus proposals and putting both of the numerical dollar amounts of what goes to what side by side in this infographic. So, overall, Biden's COVID relief was $1.9 trillion, while the Republican proposed COVID relief was, I believe, $600 billion. So, Biden's plan, there will be $1,400 stimulus checks, $400 federal unemployment benefits that last through September, which is incredible. $160 billion for vaccines, virus testing, and personal protective equipment. $25 billion goes to child care and making sure children can find care while people still have to work during the pandemic. And $130 billion in funds to reopen schools. This doesn't necessarily mean like money so that schools will reopen. This more so means that... Money will be provided to schools to make sure that they can reopen safely, providing the necessary safety equipment for teachers, for students, for other staff and faculty members. That's more so what that means. The Republicans' plan, however, there are $1,000 stimulus checks. There is $300 federal unemployment benefits through June 30th, $160 billion for vaccines, virus testing, and personal protective equipment. This is the same on both sides. 20 billion dollars will go to child care, and a mere 20 billion will go to reopen schools. I don't know how someone can look at this proposal, no matter your political party, no matter if you're Democrat or Republican, and look at this and nod your head and go, yeah, I'm still gonna go to the polls and vote red. Like, I, it's so blatantly obvious that Republicans don't care about you. I don't know don't get me wrong, like, Democrats also have their own issues. Democrats are also pissing off their own party with not holding up their end of the bargain and just giving people $2,000 checks. But if we're comparing here, I don't know about you, but if it was up to me, I'd prefer to get $1,400 over $1,000. Maybe I'm just delusional. Maybe I'm just, you know, a hopeless snowflake leftist. But... I overall like these plans are like non-comparable. Like there are astronomical differences in the amount, in the amount of relief that these could provide, due to the billion-dollar difference in money going into some of these institutions. hundred and thirty billion dollars versus twenty billion dollars to reopen schools. Which of those do you think will be more effective at reopening schools safely? Fourteen hundred dollars over thousand dollars. Which of those do you think will provide? better and long and longer lasting relief to American citizens. $400 unemployment versus $300 unemployment. Which of those do you think is, again, going to make it so that people are able to survive during this pandemic and not have to worry so much about how they're going to afford to live, how they're going to afford to go grocery shopping, how they're going to afford to pay rent or pay for their children? $25 billion in child care versus $20 million in child care. That $5 billion difference could literally be the difference about whether or not a mother has to make the decision of whether she's going to go to work and pay her bills and make sure there's still a roof over her and her child's head or whether she's going to be able to stay home and take care of her child. And this was not included in the infographic, but I also do just want to say this now because this is a huge component of Biden's proposal is him wanting to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, which is a quote-unquote livable wage. Even though if wages correlated with inflation, we would actually be at a $24 an hour minimum wage, but that's besides the point. While Biden wants to include that in his COVID relief proposal, Republicans are wanting to remove that from his COVID relief proposal. I know I've already said it, and I know I probably sound so redundant, But I don't know how, as an American, you can look at those two proposals, you can look at the blatant and astronomical difference between those two COVID relief stimulus proposals and say, yeah, I I still openly and wholeheartedly support Republicans. It's so blatantly obvious that they don't care if you survive in this pandemic. And it's so blatantly obvious that even if you do survive, they don't care if you can do it in a livable and manageable and affordable way. They don't care if you get kicked out of your apartment next month. They don't care if your child hasn't eaten four days because you don't even have the lights on in your home and you can't afford to go out and buy food. They don't care if your child is currently failing school because they don't have the necessary technology or equipment to continue doing it at home and remotely. They don't care about this stuff. They just care that you still will take your ass to the polls every November and make the conscious decision to vote for them. They don't care if you love them. They don't care if you hate them. They don't care if you survive they only care about their re-election chances they only care about their ability to maintain hold or social climb their way up the political ladder so that they can achieve more power and honestly as much as it pains me to say it a lot of the democrats are also that same exact way and if we're able to see through that if we're able to see this and we're able to look at stimulus bills like these not just the republican one but both of them and we're able to look at this and say hmm These people obviously do not care about us as much as they say they do. Maybe we should go out and find people who actually do resonate with the working class experience, who actually do know what it's like to worry about where your next meal is coming from, worry about how you're going to pay your rent at the first of the month. We need people in office who understand what these things are like, because those are going to be the people that care about what these things are like, and those are going to be the people who are on the Senate floor, on the House floor, fighting for the relief that people actually need. Last, but certainly not least, before I clock out of this week's episode, I did want to touch base on and talk about the impeachment trial, because that did start this week and is going to be progressing probably through next week. So in next week's podcast episode, I'm also going to be just giving a quick progress update on the impeachment trial. But it has started this week, and holy crap, I don't know if you guys have been following it a lot and have been you know, watching some of the testimonies, watching some of the evidence that's coming to light. But there is, there's a lot to talk about. And I've said it before, so it's not going to be like super surprising. And I don't want to talk about it too, too much. This could have been so much worse than we thought. And we're truly starting to see that as the trial progresses. But I'll get to that first. I want to talk about the fact that When the initial vote came out to even determine if the initial trial and if the trial itself was constitutional, given that former President Donald Trump is no longer in office and holding that presidential position, it was 56 to 44, I believe. One of the Republican senators had actually been swayed because the original predicted vote of that was 55-45. But that still means that 44 of our senators, 44 of our nation's senators, almost half, thought that this impeachment trial shouldn't take place just because Trump left office. Which, that is the most, that's ridiculous. That's absolutely abhorrent. Not only are they violating their oath of office by not upholding the most basic tenets of the Constitution, but what kind of logic is that? Imagine if a doctor was performing horrendous malpractice and they retired before they got tried, and when they went to court, people were like, well, he's not a doctor anymore, so we can't we can't press these charges. We can't try him for the malpractice that he participated in and the unnecessary stress and pain that he caused patients while he was practicing. That would be absolutely ridiculous, and quite frankly, that's not how our legal system works, so overall, I don't really understand that from a legal standpoint. That really doesn't make sense. That really doesn't hold a lot of weight. It's I I said it earlier in this video. It's a it's a political thing. Republicans want to hold on to Trump. They want to hold on to Trumpism, not because they necessarily believe in his views, not because they necessarily support the person or politician he is, but because they want to hold on to his base. Because they want to attract. To the people who voted for them because they want those individuals to then take themselves to the polls and in turn vote for these senators when they run for re-election or when they run for a higher up office such as president in the future. It's selfish, it's corrupt, it's all in all just disgusting and indicative of the type of people that these individuals are. And it's even more disgusting that we probably won't see a conviction of this man despite all of the evidence, despite all of the video evidence and the unseen video footage that's coming out right now. And we're truly seeing how dangerous this was for certain people. We're truly seeing how bad this could have been for not just Democrats, not just Nancy Pelosi, not just Mike Pence, but anyone anyone who would have been caught in the line of fire, any senator who. Miss who could have missed a signal or gone down the wrong hallway or not known that what was going on when it was going on. I also will be leaving in this week's episode description a link that will take you to a video posted by the New York Times. I'm not a huge fan of the New York Times myself, but this is probably one of the best videos from the trial that I've seen. It has actual not-before-seen video footage from January 6th. And the video is centered around Stacey Plaskett, who is a House representative from the U.S. Virgin Islands. The video centers around her testimony specifically and the video evidence that she brings forward. At the beginning of the video, it started with her actually playing recordings for the Senate floor. And those recordings were radio recordings from that day. And they were were eerie. They were uncomfortable to listen to because it was pretty much that... The officers knew that they were overpowered. The officers were trying to ask for backup. They were clearly distressed. They clearly knew that they were outnumbered. They clearly knew that this was probably not a fight that they were going to win. And to hear that in real time, to actually hear the fear in police's voice, to actually hear how sincere and real this was for the people who were there, For me, personally, it truly goes to show how I think that there needs to be more personal accounts that come out. I said it last week when we talked about AOC and her Instagram Live that came out. I think there needs to be more personal stories that are coming out. I think there needs to be more people talking about this. Even the pretrial testimonies that were going on with Jamie Raskin, whose testimony, by the way, was absolutely gut-wrenching. At least it should have been if you, you know, have a soul He was talking about how just the previous day to January 6th, he had actually had to bury his son and his daughter was talking about how she didn't want to go. She didn't want him to go, but he was adamant that he had to because it was such an important vote because they were certifying the results of the past election. And so he convinced his daughter and his son-in-law to come with him and to not only yourself be in a compromised situation where your safety, your health, your life is potentially at risk, but also to have your family there with you, to have a person that you love more than anything, to have a person that you would do anything for, there with you in fear of their life, in fear of your life. I I couldn't imagine. And the most heartbreaking part of his testimony was, he was talking about how this was a freak freak accident it wouldn't happen again and how you know she she could come to the capitol again and she apparently looked at him and said dad i don't want to come to the capitol again and that that upsets me (laughs) because you have someone's a representative's daughter who doesn't even want to go back to the capitol building she doesn't have to work there she doesn't have a personal connection there She is not being forced to go back into that same building and relive those traumas every single day. She was not even a representative. She was not even a senator. She didn't even potentially have her life on the line. And she was scared enough and traumatized enough to the point that she doesn't want to go back there despite the line of work that her father does. I don't even want to try and begin imagining how traumatic, how terrifying it is for representatives and elected officials like AOC like Nancy Pelosi like people who genuinely had had their lives put at risk on that day and now they have to go back and they have to go back to work and be reminded almost every single day that people in this country want to and are actively seeking out ways to cause them harm or violate their right to life that alone must be terrifying and that alone I I'm so, I'm gonna keep saying it until the impeachment trial is over. I'm probably gonna still say it until after the fact. We need more personal testimonies like this. If Jamie Raskin's story was this touching, imagine how many other touching stories we have out of the, you know, 600 plus people who were in that building that day. Imagine how many more heartfelt, imagine how many more gut-wrenching, imagine how many more heartbreaking or terrifying stories there are to tell, not just from elected officials, not just from people we voted for, but like AOC said in her live stream, from the janitors, from the custodial staff, from the staffers who were there, from the people who work behind the scenes to make sure that building runs smoothly every single day and who are, quite frankly, most of the time forgotten about. I've been, like, jumping around. I apologize. I'm gonna try to jump back into the actual trial. Um, The video then goes on, the video that I'm talking about that I'm gonna share in the description, the video then goes on to show actual video footage from that day, from inside the Capitol building. It shows footage from the inside of the building of people actually breaking down windows, and once people get in, they're opening doors for people all around the building, allowing them to just flood in. There are several people, and Stacy notes this, there are several people wearing full combative equipment, who are carrying weapons, who are wearing bulletproof vests, who are wearing helmets and masks and, like, they are dressed to the nines. They are dressed to raid somewhere. They are dressed for combat. And she she stressed that, you know, these are not people who want to make their voices heard. These aren't people who want to inflict positive change. These are people who went into that building, maybe not all of them, maybe some of them were just, I mean, I don't see how you can break into a government building and just claim to be there for fun. But you know, maybe some of them were just, you know, riding on the coattails of other people there. But the fact of the matter is, there were a big enough chunk of people there who wanted to inflict harm on our elected officials who were there with the intent of finding the people that they were mad at and doing their worst. And we can see that with the people who came and entered that building and broke into that building, like I said, in full combat of gear. That is insane. Next, a lot of the footage then shows actual encounters with Capitol. PD and the rioters and then also specific senators. So Officer Goodwin, which I talked about a couple episodes ago when I talked about the actual riots. I think it was actually my second episode. I'm not sure. But he actually was the officer who lured the, the mob of rioters away from the Senate chamber. The Senate chamber was on one side of him. There was an open hallway to the other side of them. He actually agitated the rioters by pushing one of them and then ran the other way. As he was running, he came across Mitt Romney, who was actually walking towards the rioters, and he told him to run the other way. And in the footage, you can see Mitt Romney turn and run around. And even during the trial, Mitt Romney said that he had had no idea how close he was to having his life harmed. He had no idea how close he was to the danger And he actually said he was going to thank Officer Goodwin next time he saw him. There was another really disturbing clip of Mike Pence actually getting evacuated out of the building. I think they said the first rioters broke in around 2.15 p.m. And Mike Pence actually was not evacuated from the Senate chamber and rushed to safety along with his family until almost 2.30. During the testimony, it actually came out that Mike Pence was only removed from the Senate chamber and only rushed to safety and evacuated from that area 60 seconds before rioters breached the Senate landing. They were less than 100 feet away from the vice president at that time, the person that a lot of people in the crowd were were chanting that they wanted to hang and shouting other violent threats about. And keep in mind, I don't even like Mike Pence. I think he's a garbage human being with quite frankly, garbage opinions, he's homophobic, he's ignorant, he has some of the most dated religious views that I've ever heard. But that doesn't change the fact that he was our vice president. And despite the fact that I disagree with Mike Pence on the most fundamental and basic political and social issues, that doesn't change the fact that, like I said, he is our vice president. He he was, at least. And to me, at least, I feel like that brings up such a pressing point about the true intolerance that comes from the right, because I know in the past I've talked about the divide that has widened and become more cavernous between the right and the left, but part of that divide and part of the symptoms of that divide getting wider was I feel like a lot of rhetoric coming from the right targeted at the left, saying that the left is intolerant, that just because you vote for Trump, just because you're a Republican doesn't automatically mean you're racist or you're stupid or your opinions have to change. The left paints you as a terrorist if you vote for Trump, that the left is so intolerant, that the left is this, that, and the other thing. And I think it's so telling that that comes from the party where a group of people who subscribed to that very same party just a month ago stormed our Capitol building with the intent of harming people who, what, hold different beliefs than they do? Who didn't want to overturn the election? People took it upon themselves to travel from all over the country and bring their guns, bring their weapons, bring their combat gear with the intention of entering our Capitol building and potentially harming people who didn't give them what they wanted, who didn't make Trump our everlasting reigning president. It's ridiculous. I'm so tired of all of this toxic and empty rhetoric coming from the right about how intolerant the left are, how intolerant and how hateful and how spiteful the left are. A whole bunch of mess is trending on Twitter because some girl who stars in The Mandalorian posted some right-wing rhetoric on her Instagram story about how she was comparing being a Jewish person in Nazi Germany during the Holocaust was like being a modern-day Republican in America. Like, I, I don't even know how Republicans can get away with peddling this bullshit, especially after, like I just said, people who subscribe to their own party, people who take themselves to the polls and vote Republican every single time, are not only doing stuff like this and participating in violent actions and violent demonstrations such as the one that took place on January 6th, but they're also excusing this stuff. They're also excusing this violence and they're making excuses for it and they're justifying it. I always knew the calls for unity, I always knew the calls for tolerance from the right were empty and they were baseless and it was just because those people did not want to t- have to take accountability for their role in all of this. But even now it's just even more it's just even more empty to me because these people were entering that building hoping to cause harm to someone who subscribe to their own political party. These people don't care about tolerance. These people don't care about getting along with people from the left. They don't care about making an anti-racist society. They don't care about making the society a safe place for marginalized people. They don't care about unity. They don't care about getting along with people who think differently than they are. They care about getting what they want. They care about keeping America white. They care about keeping America an America that looks like what they want America to look like. And it was so clear on january 6th and it's even more clear now by seeing how our senators are treating this trial josh hawley had his feet up on his desk there were so many other senators who were just rifling through random paperwork or just completely disregarding what was actually going on in the trial these people don't care about justice these people don't care about unity because unity starts with accountability I am fully and completely aware that this is such a bad and awkward time to end this week's episode, but I've just come to notice that I've been talking now for almost 53 minutes, and I feel like you guys deserve some sort of break. (laughs) So with that being said, we're definitely gonna touch more on all of this next week, along with a plethora of other enthralling, intriguing, and overall important topics. But with that being said, our time on this episode has come to a close. Finally, I know. It's taken forever. I've said it every single time before now. You guys already know the drill. You already know what I'm going to say. If you enjoyed this week's episode, if you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy what I'm doing here, please, please, please subscribe for weekly episodes that come out every Sunday. It helps so much. Also, be sure to reference this podcast to a friend, someone else who you think would enjoy it. Also, be sure to interact with and follow me on all of my social media platforms. All of my handles are just at Jalen Tully. And as always, the most important part of any episode I say, please be sure to walk away from this episode, put down your device, put down your headphones, whatever you're listening to this on, and go out into the world and be ready to educate often, learn freely, and always love equally. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in, and always take care.